White Hot Church. Uh, what does it look like for a church to be on fire? What things should we be going after to make sure that is true and remains true, that we're a white hot church? You know, like the barbecue grill and you get those, those uh, briquettes close together and they turn white with the heat. That's what we're looking for. What does it look like for us to be that? And so when we launched this series a couple weeks back, we talked about Christ purposed. And there is no fire if we're not all over Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, we will be Christ-purposed and uh, absolutely centered up on him. And then we talked about spirit-empowered as he gifts you to be able to serve into this church that the body might be bettered for him. All for his glory, but God working through you, the Holy Spirit doing in you. If you are saved... He has gifted you with something. And what is that? And where is that? And we talked about the two roles the believer needs to be playing in the church. It's either a time of healing, just taking that season to recover, or it's a time of helping, diving in and serving and equipping uh, others around you. And so that's what we're looking at. Make sure that you are on that plan. God, what are you doing in and through me that this place might be affected for your glory? And Maybe it's just a time of healing for you, and maybe it's a time to dive in. And uh, so we talked about Christ-purposed and spirit-empowered. Today we're talking about God-indwelt, like a movement of God in this place, both on Sunday mornings and throughout the week, where we are rocked for him, God-indwelt. And uh, so do this with me. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Starting in verse 20. 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 20. And we're going to walk through uh, just a little bit of a passage here and make sure you understand where we're going with this. I just want you to understand this passage for me has been just a massive, massive lead on where we had around here over the last eight years. And uh, we have gone through this passage very, very carefully. I have dug in deeply and God has revealed a ton on his plan for how to get the church fired up. And uh, just so you know, this is the recipe. 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 20. So here we go. Uh, point one, recognizing that you play a role with God as he communicates to mankind. Recognize that you play a role with God as he communicates to mankind. And... Uh, Man, you have a role, I have a role, we all play a role in being able to share out with one another and God doing a work through us as we communicate uh, what God is sharing in his word and beyond. And here we go, starting in verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. Brothers, everybody just say, those are the saved ones. Well, those are the saved ones. And we're not just talking male here. It's male and female. So when you're putting male and female together, right, they would often just refer to it. They had to choose one gender, either male, female, or neuter. So they threw the male out here. And brothers, but this is brothers and sisters. This is all you who trust Christ. Do not be children in your thinking. And uh, to put it in the modern day sense, don't be a moron. <laughs> right? Don't miss the main point, man. Don't be um, uneducated and, and not grasping what God is doing. And don't be simple. Don't be unexperienced. Uh, 
Man, look for that wisdom. Look for that discernment. Uh, Don't be satisfied to not be able to grasp what God is doing in this world and in this church. Do not be children in your thinking. Grasp what Jesus Christ is all about. It says, be infants in evil. In fact, the word be infants there in the original language, that's the verb. It's like be a kid, be very uninformed when it comes to evil. Don't be experienced. Don't have a ton of uh, time spent there. You're like, oh, I know a lot about evil. I've done a lot in my life. And I like, he's like, that's not the plan. And uh, don't go there. The idea of trying to be deeply experienced in the realm of evil, uh, that's a bad plan. Everybody say, that's a bad plan. Uh, be infants when it comes to evil. But in your thinking, be mature. In your thinking, be mature. In other words, be, uh, be getting what God's doing, grasping what Christ is all about, understanding the wisdom and the knowledge applied into a situation and knowing how to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. This word mature, like you're getting it, you're understanding it. God's doing something in your life and in the lives of those around you and you're seeing it and you're happy about it. And, uh, but in your Thinking, be mature. So uh, infants to evil, mature when it comes to Christ. That's simple enough, right? And uh, let's make sure we're careful where we're investing our time. And uh, he says, in the law it is written. Now this passage actually comes from Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11. And it's actually quoting forward from Deuteronomy 28, uh, a concept in Deuteronomy 28. And then Isaiah 28, 11 has a statement on it. Here's the statement. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Those are always important moments. And um, he's like, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. By um, foreign language, and tongue, I'm going to be making some comments to this people. What people? The Jews. And I'm going to be making it clear to the nation of Israel what I'm thinking. And it's going to come through outside foreign nations. They are going to get a clarity that Israel is missing. And uh, in fact, it says, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners. In fact, both of those words very closely related, the strange and the foreign. It's like a language and a culture outside of Israel. Um, I will speak to these people, and yet they will not listen to me. And Paul's like, I just want to be really, really clear here. He's talking about the Gentiles with the Jews. And he's like, God's been working with the Jewish people, and they're not hearing it in Isaiah 28. He's like, just so you know, You are going to hear from foreign tongue and language the greatness of who I am. You're still going to miss it. And uh, Here's the beauty of it. When we go back, it says, it is written in the law, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners. Man, this is the Gentiles. This is the church coming to love and know Christ. This is the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through those not from Israel. Uh, This is you and me. Did you know that? This is you and me. 
So it is written in the law by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners. Everybody say, that's me. Dude, that's you. God doing a work in you is going to speak to the nation of Israel in due time. And, uh, and yet, it says, and they will not hear, says the Lord. They will not listen. And how sad is that, that they will not listen? And we know from Romans 11 that when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, then the fullness of Israel will be brought in. And uh, we don't understand all the details of that and how it's all going to pan out, but God knows what he's doing. And all of God's people said, and we have a job, man. Get fired up about who he is. Understand the greatness of Jesus Christ. Understand the move of the Holy Spirit. Taste and see that the Lord is good. May your tongue, may your language scream out. And this God is awesome. That's the message we have to bear. And uh, may we live it with all we've got. And uh, it's like it is written, by the people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. Even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Tongues are a sign for unbelievers. And uh, Really? Did you know that? Tongues are a sign for unbelievers. What is he talking about? He's saying this. When an unbeliever walks in and they're not from your culture and they're not from your language and they don't even know what's going on and you're able to cross the boundary of culture and ethnicity and language, you haven't studied the language, God just gave it to you and you cross the cultural boundary and you start speaking to them in their language, they're stunned. It speaks to the unbeliever coming in. It speaks to the one not getting what God is doing. And all of a sudden, someone is speaking in a language that they never had before, and it rocks them. It's like what is seen in Acts chapter 2. As the languages are being spoken out, and people from every tribe, tongue, and language are hearing, and they haven't studied these ahead of time, the Spirit just gave it a clear message to the unbeliever that something very different is going on here, right? And uh, the sign is the ability to speak in that tongue, that language. And uh, that's for the unbeliever. The tongue is for the unbeliever. I'm going to say it one more time. Tongues are for who? Let's not miss that, man. And how many churches today go a different route? Tongues becomes something to be expressed within the body of community to the church, to believers, for believers, trying to share back and forth with one another that way. And uh, this is pretty clear. Tongues are for the unbeliever. And if you want to read more on it, there's more before and there's more after about tongues and how to manage and what's going on with it. I'm not going to go into all the details here. That's not really what today's message is all about. But I will tell you this. Let's make sure we stay true to what God's word is. When he's looking to cross cultural boundaries and reach out with the gospel message and bring someone across to believe, tongues are a very important part. And tongues are for the who? unbeliever. And uh, they're stunned, not even really with the content, quite frankly. They're stunned with the fact that you're talking to them in their language. They're like, whoa, 
How did that just happen? Like, dude, focus on what I'm saying. No, how are you talking to me in that language? How do you know that? I don't know how I know this. Tell me more about that. I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about Christ, right? That is the whole process going down. As we see it in Acts 2, they didn't stop to give a diatribe on how they're now speaking in that language. They spoke of the greatness of Christ and they tried to move forward with that message of gospel and uh, stunned them that these guys were able to do it. All right, tongues. It's uh, for the unbeliever. It says, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Prophecy, let's be really careful what this word means. Let's talk it through a little bit. Prophecy, there's two words that are good to write down for a definition on this. Prophecy, it means to foretell, right? Like tell the future, foretell or forth tell. Tell the truth, Okay. Foretell or foretell. Both of those are legitimate understandings of the word prophecy. If you go back and you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, the majority of the work of the prophet was not foretelling. They did not walk around day by day, every day, just telling what was going to happen tomorrow. They had a couple of big statements that were coming, a big foretell moment, and then a lot of foretell. Thus saith the Lord. Man, hear me. This is what sin is. This is what needs to go. This is what the Father's calling for. This is where God wants us to be as a nation. This is what the Lord has said, forthtelling, okay? Speaking forth the truth of God's word and making it clear what he's calling us to. And uh, that is a huge part of the prophetic gift, uh, forthtelling. And uh, you gotta remember at the time of the early church, they didn't have this to be able to put in their hand. They didn't have the Bible. And uh, so what they had instead was God spoke through a prophet and there would be words either foretold or foretold, telling them either some things coming, foretelling, or things they needed to know and be about, foretelling. Predominantly foretelling. And as they continued to go through that and share that with the church and shape that through letters and whatever, we ended up collecting those together and being able to declare out hey, this is coming from an apostle who was speaking the word of God. This is the truth, timeless. And we lock it together, and that is our word of God we have today. And so you notice as I open up God's word and we walk word by word and phrase by phrase, we are going through the Word of God, and all of God's people said, and we are forthtelling. We are doing exactly what he's talking about here. As we take time to camp on his word and share out, this is what God has to say about this topic. Thus saith the Lord. And that's a huge deal. And everybody say that's a huge deal. And this is a big deal. We proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. We will walk through his word. We will speak it and proclaim it, and we will stand by it, period. And all of God's people said, that's where we stand, man. And that God does a huge work as this prophecy, it says it is a sign for the believer. We're going to talk more about it in the next point, but get this, as we walk through God's word and you hear the depth of the truth and the Holy Spirit whispers in that right there, that's for you. In that moment where God is moving and the word is being shared and it speaks to believers, as we speak forth the truth, 
We as believers are built up, shaped up, strengthened up. We learn more. We go after more. God, change me, transform me, rock me, challenge me. What do I need to hear? Thus saith the Lord. And it moves the body as the Holy Spirit takes this word and does it. And we'll talk more about it in just a little bit. And a huge deal as God works through the prophetic speaking of his word. All right? You know, we have a lot of times people come down afterwards and we get a chance to chat and pray with people over things and just uh, smile and hear some stories too. And I can tell you pretty much every week, uh, at least one person says something along the lines of, dude, how did you know what I was going through this week? How did you know that that's what I was struggling with? How did you know? It's like you knew something. Do you have a microphone in my house? Right? I've heard that one three or four times joking around. And just so you know, we don't. We don't have that. And uh, I'm telling you, when you open up God's word and you walk through his word beginning to end and you let the Holy Spirit shape right where you are, get this now, as you are coming through and growing up, he's prepping you and delivering you for that moment. And now you're walking into this place and I'm walking into this place and God is preparing us all and huge things happen. And uh, the power of prophecy shared. And uh, it's powerful, man. When you're sitting in a room wrestling with something and it's the topic of the day as you walk through the passage and it rocks you with what God has to say. And you're like, God is alive and moving in my life. And... uh, In fact, it's so powerful, this is a true story. We actually had a person leave this church because as I was speaking, I don't even know what I said, there was a challenge moment, you know how I ask a question, what do you need to let go of, that kind of thing? And as I was standing there, they were in the first or second or third row somehow, and they're like, how dare he call me out in public? (laughs) True story. He thought, thought I was like, I know something secret and I'm going to call him out. And so they left the church. Like, how dare I do that? Just so you know, I don't do that. If you think I'm calling you out in public, I'm not. I'm actually walking through what God is saying here and we're challenging this out. If we're going to need a call out, we do that biblically. Matthew 18, we go one-on-one, we work that privately, and then we go with two witnesses or three. We'll walk that through, okay? So when I'm challenging from the front, and I'm saying something, and you're feeling this massive press down, everybody just say, that's the Spirit. Spirit. Please let that be true, okay? It's God working in this place, and that's the power of prophecy at work as we speak forth God's word. Some of you are like, I don't believe that story. It's a true story, man. (laughs) And uh, so simple question. Are you ready to listen to God? Are you ready to listen to what he has to say? and be challenged. And second, are you ready to share out where he's challenging with you? And I want you to get this. I get a chance to share from the front on a Sunday morning and we share out here and there is a prophetic sharing. But when we go to impact groups in the middle of the week and you're walking through the passage again and walking through extended passages that are related to it and you're sharing how God is rocking you, you are beginning to share with one another and challenge one another. And as that prophetic speak starts to be shared, here's what I saw in the word. Here's what rocked me in the word. 
heard. Here's where I'm being challenged in this. Here's where I'm at it. Will you pray for me? And all of a sudden, there's this massive sharing now amongst the body. And I'm telling you, as we share out the truth of God's word and how he's rocking us, God moves. And all of God's people said, that's what it's all about, man. That's why we have the structure we have with impact services on Sunday morning and impact groups throughout the week. May God get all the glory, all right? That's the first point. Second, our willingness, obedience, and participation works with the Spirit to call all to worship. Our willingness, obedience, and participation works with the Spirit to call all to worship. Starting in verse 23 here. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers come, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Remember, he just got done saying tongues are for the unbeliever, right? And so what he's saying here, we got to be careful. It says, if therefore, if tongues are for unbelievers, that's the therefore connecting. If tongues are for unbelievers and the whole church comes together and all are speaking in tongues, Like the whole church comes in and they're just starting to randomly speak in tongues. There's no interpreting and there's no one there to receive that new language of sorts. And well, then they're going to have a statement to say about you. Have they not lost their minds? That's a bunch of babble going on in there. They're nuts. What's happening? Acts chapter two. They must be drunk, right? People who aren't grasping what God is doing in the midst of it. And uh, missing the whole point. And I hear he's just saying simply, be careful. If all it was was tongues, there would be no transference across. Where's the interpretation and the understanding for the unbeliever? Be cautious with that. And tongues have a very unique spot and a very narrowed spot and a very delivered spot into crossing a geographic and cultural boundary to get to an unbeliever and share. And uh, that's really what we see in Scripture. And uh, just be cautious about your view of tongues and be careful. Take a good hard read of all of 1 Corinthians 14. I'm not going to go through it here, but uh, there's a little bit more detail even on the role of tongues in prayer language. And uh, be cautious with that. Paul's like, I would rather uh, be able to pray in a way where my heart is uh, influenced, my spirit is influenced, that's like even praying in tongues, and my mind where I get what I said. Make sure you understand and grasp the whole of what he's saying about it. It's a big deal with what he's saying. All right? If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and an outsider or unbeliever enters, just so you know this word outsider, in the Greek it's the word, ready? Idiota. Do you hear it? Okay. Unfortunately, we've done some things to that word that make it a little worse of a word. So our word is like, you don't get it. You're not even capable of getting it. Right? It's become that kind of colloquial meaning, not capable of understanding it. In fact, what it meant back then was just unskilled, unlearned, hadn't seen it, heard it, or tasted of it. Okay? And uh, it's a huge deal. Somebody coming in who just hasn't tasted and seen of the Lord is good, doesn't grasp it right now. In fact, the word gets attached to it unbeliever or unbeliever enters. This is someone who doesn't grasp who Jesus Christ is, and they're coming in. Man, They are welcome to this church. And all of God's people said, 
Man, we celebrate the risen Savior and God moves in this place. Come join us. And if you haven't tasted of it and you haven't seen of it and you're not sure of it, come sit with us and see what God is doing in this room. It is amazing when the Spirit moves. We love to see what God is doing here. And welcome and join us. And uh, these words, just haven't tasted of it, uh, not believing in who Jesus is yet, they come in. They'll be a little bit confused if it's all in a foreign language and nobody gets what's happening and it's not even their language, right? And, uh, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, so if all are sharing the truth in their language and in an appropriate language for them to hear, they're speaking forth the truth of God's word. They are sharing his word. Thus saith the Lord. And an unbeliever or outsider enters. He is convicted by by what? By all. Please note, he is not convicted by the logic. He is not convicted by the words. He is convicted by you on fire. That's how it goes down. A church on fire is when we're speaking forth the words of God And the believers in the room are hearing and listening and taking it in. And as the spirit is pressing on, there is this conviction to their soul. They are ripped. There might be tears that form. There might be joy that starts. There might be a burst out where someone says, that's right, or amen, or that's the way it goes. Yes. And all of a sudden you feel this in the room going on and there's people getting passionate for Jesus Christ and the unbeliever sitting next to you going, I don't have that. I don't know what that is. And convicted by all. Man, when the charcoals in the middle of the grill are getting white hot and you take one of those cold black charcoals and pull it up next and set it onto it, what happens? It goes white hot. And that's what he's talking about. May the church be on fire one person at a time in the seats, responding to your spirit as he's pressing in, as you're hearing the word, God stirring in you and those around in this place, seeing that, sensing that and saying, I don't have that and longing for that. And God does a work. That is a church that is white hot on fire. Amen? That's what we're going after. And, uh, he says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. As we get to share of testimony with, as we get to stand firm for our God, people are stirred by it. And deep within, they get a sense of what's going on. It says, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And if he doesn't like it, he'll leave the church saying that I called him out. That's God at work, man. And the secrets of the church are disclosed. Each of us, our hearts revealed as we go through the word. And you know what happened, right? We're walking through the word and you're like, oh, that is so me. And uh, trust me, man, I've got it all week long as I'm pouring through the passage and I'm wrestling with the scripture and I'm trying to get to the bottom of what does it mean? 
And then what does it mean for me in my heart? What do I need to go after? And so what do we need to go after? And then I'm standing up and sharing it out. And then you're like, oh, and now I have the, and all of us going for, Lord, what are you saying to me? And the secrets of our heart being revealed, disclosed. And I love the statement. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among him, among them. And and so he literally falls on his face, man. We have people saved by the hundreds around here. Over the course of years, we have seen hundreds upon hundreds come to Christ, where they're sitting in the seats and not getting it. In fact, maybe even on week one going, this is a joke. And then you get to week four or five and they're like, I don't know, man, I can't explain why I'm still here. And then in week eight, nine, and 10, and all of a sudden we're talking through gospel and there's a clarity that they're grasping and all of a sudden they're trusting Christ as savior. And we've seen people saved by the hundreds upon hundreds and baptized by the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds. And it's amazing what God is doing in this room as we allow ourselves, hear me now, as the church, We must allow ourselves to be wrecked by God and rebuilt up on fire. Can't get enough. And the ones around us start getting a little heat, man. They're feeling it. And the Spirit's doing something. And he starts pressing in with them. And maybe they're talking to you at work or at home or with a friend. And they're like, what's the big deal? And you're like, here's what the big deal is to me. And now you're sharing out and you are becoming prophetic as you're telling forth how God moves. And now your friends and coworkers or family are like, I don't have that, I don't get that. You should come join me. And all of a sudden we have another friend in the body, another family member in the body, another coworker in the body checking out what God is doing in this place. And the power at work is not some gimmick. It is our God moving in us. And all of God's people said, a white hot church, man. We will grasp God at work in our lives. And we will know and understand what's happening. Look what he says. He falls on his face, full out worship, down collapsed. I'm done fighting. No more. This God is real. I'm done battling down to their face. As it then says, he will worship God and declare, surely God is among them. And in fact, in the original language, surely God is in them, is a way to read that. Stunned at what God is doing in you and around you and through you. Man, this is not about us. This is about Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, this is not about us. This is about the Spirit moving in the place. We serve the risen Savior. God is alive and moving, and he is making impact. White hot church, it is absolutely God indwelt, God making a movement. 
and changing our hearts and lives. That is a church on fire. Simple question. Are you ready to be that church? So I wrote these phrases down. Ready? We will be a church that hears the word. We will be a church that hears the word. We will proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. We will be a church that responds to the spirit. We will be that church who hears the word, responds to the spirit. We will be a church that unapologetically, transparently shares what's going on in our lives. We will be that church unapologetically, transparently shares. We will be a church that allows him to transform. We will be a church that radically, humbly points to him. And we will be a church where God in us stuns the world. We will be that church. Amen. That's a church white hot on fire. Let me just go through again one more time. I saw a few writing. We will be a church that hears the word, that responds to the spirit, that unapologetically, transparently shares, that allows him to transform, that humbly points to him and down with pointing to self, humbly points to him, and that stuns the world with God in us. That's the church we're going to be. That is a white hot church. All right. That said, we will respond to the prophetic word of God. We will hear of the foretelling. So here's what I'm gonna ask. Do me a favor. Turn to James chapter five, verse 13. James 5, verse 13. I just want to walk through a couple of verses here and then call us to a fourth telling. God calling us to action. All right, here we go. I still hear pages turning, I'll hang on. Love the sound of pages turning. James 5, 13. Is any among you suffering let him pray. Are you hearing me? Is any in this room devastated, going through heartache, struggling physically or with a job, with family or children? If any suffering, let him what? Pray. Let him pray. Is any cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Let him call for the elders. Note he's calling, sick enough that he's actually in bed, unable to get up. The elders are coming to him, first of all, calling. And then note there's this anointing with oil. In fact, if you look at the word, it is not the word of anointing that means like special dedicated unto. It means rub. It's, it's a medicinal statement. This was a lot of the medicines they had back then was an anointing with oil. And so this is like, make sure you use the healthy medicines that make sense. For us today, have you listened to your doctor? Are you taking the prescription given to you? Right, that's an important part. And uh, calling for the medical, physical side of it, but calling also for the spiritual side of it. Call for the elders of the church, let them pray over him. And uh, 
We'll just jump to 14. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Struggling and suffering, hurt and heartache, God's got a recipe. Pray. Bring it together. Rally for each other. Make much of our God, bring him to the center and work it through together. 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 How do we work it through? Together. We will pray for one another, we will long for one another, and we will hurt with one another. It's a huge deal. A truth of God's word. All right. So here's the deal. I just want to do some things here for the last number of minutes, and we're going to do some of this James 5. So Pastor Kent and Becky, I'm going to ask you to come on up. And uh, I'm going to ask the elders to come on up as well. We just have a little bit of an announcement we want to share out. So I've asked Kent to share. And uh, why don't you take center? I'll come to the side. And um, we love you guys. So as the elders are coming down, why don't you go ahead and share here, bro? Yeah. Even in the midst of a white-hot church, God rocking our worlds, God showing up, transforming lives, Miraculous things going on. A White Hutch Church doesn't mean that uh, we will be eliminated from the hurt of a broken world. And this world is broken. It's our sin that's done it. And uh, a broken world brings heartache. It brings sadness. Disappointment. Disease. And more cancer. Um... Just to give you a little bit of my journey, Uh, March 10th, 2011, I was diagnosed with hairy cell leukemia. Uh, Went through five chemo treatments, blood transfusion, ended up in the hospital. Um, But then on November 30th of 2011, I was then declared in complete remission. Praise God. Um, He was working big time. But then on December 11th in 2012, was diagnosed with a stage three follicular lymphoma. Broken world, more heartache, more disappointment, more sadness. Went through 16 treatments, and, uh, and then it was on January 22nd, 2014, with my last treatment, was declared in remission. Once again, God showing up, God working, his perfecting love continuing. And then just 12 days ago, um, my lymphoma was back, or it is back. Um, it's like, wow, God, what are you doing? Not sure of the treatment plan. We're waiting on some biopsies to determine the type of lymphoma, praying that it hasn't transformed into the B cell lymphoma. And so on June 20th, we should know more when, when the tests are back. You know, the emotions of such a journey, and I know there are many who, have, who sit here this morning who have experienced so much as well. But you know, the journey can be, and it has been terrifying. It's been frightening. It's been sad. It's been disappointing. It's been upsetting. It's 
been distressing at times. And you know, not so much for me, but for my family. The difficulty of being a caregiver is huge because they can't change things. They just have to love and care and pray. And Becky's done that. But you know, the hurt of a broken world, it's real. All the stuff is real. But you know what? We have the hope of a sovereign God. And that's where we have our confidence. You know, we're praying and we're trusting hard at keeping God central in our lives as, as his perfecting love continues. And we're okay with that. I mean, and that means that we need to trust God in these moments when we don't understand what he's doing. It's faith. It's faith, an amazing God who, who watches over us. It was Jesus in the garden who prayed, Lord, take this cup from me as we have prayed, Lord, take this cancer from me. But ultimately, Jesus said, Lord, said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And the Apostle Paul, who in 1 Corinthians 12 prayed multiple times to have the thorn removed, but God didn't. God said, my grace is sufficient, for strength is made perfect in weakness. His will. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And we hold on to the promises of God in Isaiah chapter 26, 3, that you will keep him in perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because we trust in our great God. That's the journey we're on. Thanks, bro, for sharing. Here's what we're going to do. So we've got elders up here. We're going to pray over these guys. Um, we call you to be a part of that with. And then afterwards, we're going to do some prayer as a body over you guys as well. There's more going on in this body here too. And so let's take some time and we'll start here with praying for Kent and Becky. And then we're going to have the elders uh, spread out and their wives will meet with them. And then we're going to do some prayer time as a body right here, right now. Let's rally. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we humbly thank you that we have this opportunity to come before you in prayer, Lord. We uh, so strongly believe that you are in complete control, Lord, that you are sovereign over this situation, as difficult, as uh, hard to understand as it is, Lord. Uh, Lord, we also believe uh, with such conviction that prayer offered up Lord, to you that is consistent with your word, uh, Lord, that is consistent with your will, that it has great power. And Lord, we just pray now boldly for a complete healing, a complete remission of the cancer that is now active again in Kent's body, Lord. We pray for uh, a, uh, a time here, Lord, where uh, there will become great clarity and treatment, but Lord, we just pray for strengthening for Kent, 
Uh, Lord, in the midst of this, Lord, we pray that uh, your hedge of protection will be strong over Kent and his family. Lord, that you will provide a sense of peace that can only come because of a true relationship with Christ and an understanding, Lord, of you being in control, of you being there, Lord. We uh, just pray now, Lord, that uh, as uh, Kent and Becky uh, step through this in faith, Lord, uh, we just pray, Lord, that uh, their love for you, the relationship that they have as believers with your son, Jesus Christ, uh, will be so genuine, Lord, will be so real, uh, Lord, that in the midst of this physical struggle, Lord, that much will be made of your name, uh, Lord, that much will be made of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we just pray that uh, uh, all the glory will uh, be yours, Lord, uh, but Lord, just uh, help this to be a time, Lord, where uh, uh, we can look and see that uh, you are working mightily. Lord, we uh, have such confidence in you. Uh, we just pray again, Lord, that you will be strong in the family. Lord, uh, of Kent and Becky, Lord, we just pray that you will show up in such a big way. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we worship you. And, uh, you are the perfect, almighty King, creator of everything physical. You are in charge of this universe, and we lean on you and we trust in you. Lord, we know this world is broken. We know you've got a plan. And so now we cry out and we long for you to make a move here that stuns us. Lord, we pray clearly and specifically for remission again, healing. That's our request. Lord, we long for you to do a healing work, give doctors wisdom on decisions to be made with surgeries, with chemicals, with all of it. Lord, you know what needs to happen. May you lead that. Lord, we pray for the family. We just pray that you'd be with Becky. Give her an amazing, inexplainable amount of strength and peace as they walk through this war together. Lord, we love them. We hurt with them. And we long for this to be done and done quickly. Lord, may you be glorified. May we trust in you. The battle cry. Lord, may you and your will be on full display. Whatever that is, we long for you to be worshiped and glorified. And we trust you. And we praise you. It is in your mighty healing name we pray these things. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. Just go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to have elders and their wives come on up and get to your spots. And just right where you are, what needs to go? What suffering are you wrestling with? What hurt are you dealing with? What longing do you want to hand over? What sickness needs to go? Just right where you are. And hand it to him. Worshiping him as creator and healer. Hand it to him. Sure of this, 
He is sovereign. He is almighty. He is capable. And I'm leaning on him. Pray. And if you're wrestling with something big, we as elders are up here. We want to pray with you. Please feel free to come forward. Let's pray together. Don't sit on it. We know there's big in the room. We know there's a lot going on. Just come on up. Let's pray together. Just right where you are, while heads are bowed and everybody's praying, just come forward and let's pray with you and for you.